0: Uh, we're looking at our, seven, our third of our seven sayings today, and we're looking at Luke chapter twenty-four, verse twenty. Uh, Luke chapter twenty-three, I should say, verse forty-four to forty-nine. Uh, if you have our church newsletter in front of you. Oh, and also, um, those who are age five to nine, this is your opportunity to head out for Corner Pebble. Uh, we have your leaders who are up the back waiting for you now. I'll give you guys a minute to do that while people flick to the page in their Bible, Luke 23, verse 44 to 49. If you have a corner post up in front of you, it can also be found there. That's Luke 23, verse 44 to 49. And this is God's Word. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance, watching these things. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we come to your word this morning, we pray that your spirit would be amongst us, that he would be powerful at work. Lord, your word reminds us that as your word goes out from your mouth, it will not return to you empty but it will accomplish what you desire and achieve the purpose for which you sent it. Father, we pray that for us this morning. We pray that as we come to your living and active word, that your word would be um, changing lives this day and that your spirit would be powerful at work in and through your church. Father, we commit our time to you and we pray, Lord, be with us by your spirit. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, We have come across individuals who strike us as the strong and silent type, Uh, men and women of few words. Uh, Some of them are silent because of awkwardness, while others patiently read the room, preferring to listen rather than to speak. And Every now and again, uh, we will meet that strong, silent type who doesn't say much but when they do they are worth listening to when they speak they don't waste words but they say what it says what needs to be said and it's said in such a measured way that from their words their wisdom their experience it just shines through as I think back over the last couple of years here at church and having sat on a few meetings I've always been struck by the measured words often said by Des, one of our elders, that as he speaks, everyone stops, everyone listens. Uh, The measured words of experience and wisdom just shine through and words spoken that can change the very nature of the room. As as measured words said by a strong silent type can change the very atmosphere, the very nature of the room. We ask how much more the words of Jesus on the cross. That in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of his great suffering, he provides words of comfort, words of hope. Uh, The words in our passage today are also carefully crafted words. Uh, Each of the four gospel writers have recorded various statements, some of them that are similar, but some of them that are very different to one another. However, these words are not random words said by our Lord Jesus, but they are measured words chosen to convey a message, to convey a message why he came to earth, to convey a message why he went to the cross so as we look at our statement today as we look at the words that he said father into your hands I commit my spirit what does this have to teach us what does this have to teach us why Jesus came to earth what does it have to teach us why he went to that cross for us well I want to suggest today that one of the reasons Jesus came is that we might place our trust in him place our trust in Him as our Deliverer. And I want to bring three things out from this statement. First, Jesus came to bring deliverance. Second, Jesus came to cast out fear. And third, Jesus came to provide rest. As Jesus says these words, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Uh, Jesus is paraphrasing Psalm 31 verse 5 for us, which we read out as our Old Testament passage, where King David says into your hands I commit my spirit, deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. Psalm 31 is a psalm of David and it is a passionate prayer for deliverance from his enemies. Uh, David is coming to God, his refuge, and he's asking that the Lord may rescue him. Uh, Who are his enemies, we ask? Uh, Well, our passage isn't entirely clear. But what is clear is that David is being overwhelmed. He is in despair. He is in need of rescue. And he comes to God asking for deliverance. He says, In you, Lord, I have taken refuge, let me never be put to shame, deliver me in your righteousness, turn your ear to me, come quickly to my rescue, be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me, since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name lead and guide me, keep me free from the trap that is set before me, for you are my refuge, into your hands. I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. David passionately prays to God that God would save him. And he places his trust in the Lord. He is confident that the Lord will rescue him, that he will deliver him. Look at verse 7. David even anticipates himself praising God for saving him from his affliction. But as we turn our attention to the words of Jesus now, as we turn our attention, as Jesus says these words, as Jesus paraphrases Psalm 31 verse 5, we ask, what is Jesus asking for? Was Jesus asking that the Lord would deliver him from the cross? We could assume this. After all, verse 35 to 39, we read how Jesus is being mocked by the religious leaders, how he is being mocked by the soldiers. He's even being mocked by the criminals who are crucified next to him. So as Jesus hangs from that cross, as he slowly suffocates, having already been beaten, having already been whipped, humanly, we would have surely said he wants to be rescued. He wants the suffering to end. In Matthew and Mark, we hear Jesus cry out, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? And as this cry goes out, many in the crowd consider that Elijah is going to come and rescue him. And so as Jesus cries out a second time, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He's asking for deliverance. But no angels come. Elijah doesn't come down on a fiery chariot to rescue him. Now what happens? Having said this statement, he breathes his last. So what is happening? What is happening as Jesus prays and as he cites this psalm? Well, in this statement, Luke is giving measured words, words which change the atmosphere of what is taking place. From this loud and painful cry, we see two things happening. First, Jesus cries to the Father that the Father would care for Him, deliver Him and care for His Spirit as He waits His resurrection. In our statement last week, we saw that on this day, that Jesus would enter into paradise, that Jesus would go to the Father and enter His care. This is the same for us. We entrust our lives on the sure hope that when we die, We go to be with our Lord. We go to be in paradise and our spirit would remain in his care until he raises us up on that last day, our day of resurrection. Which also leads to my second suggestion that I want to bring out that this is a cry of deliverance that points also to our resurrection and the defeat of death and sin. That this is a cry of deliverance pointing to Christ's work. Christ's work of delivering us from the power of sin and death. Uh, Let's look at the scene before us. What's happening here? Well, darkness is over the face of the earth. Luke 22 verse 53 says that this is the time when the power of darkness reigns. As Satan is seeking to destroy Jesus. As the darkness comes in, the sun is refusing to shine. The sun does not give any light for both Jew and for Gentile. Uh, this would be a sign communicating that the end is drawing near. The end of creation is drawing near and that chaos is entering into the world. But what happens? Well, we read that the curtain tears in two from top to bottom and Jesus cries out, father into your hands i commit my spirit he cries out words that need to be heard words that will change the very atmosphere around him words that will highlight why jesus came why he is dying on that cross why did jesus go to that cross well he went to that cross for us on the cross Jesus becomes the perfect sacrifice, so that through His sacrifice, we would be delivered from the power of darkness. Uh, The temple curtain has been torn in two. The old order is done away with, and now in Christ, the year of the Lord's favor is being proclaimed. Salvation has come, and salvation has come in Jesus. Salvation coming in Jesus is one of the recurring themes that we find in the Gospel of Luke. Let me just give one example to highlight this. If you have your Bibles in front of you, please turn to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verse 16 to 21. Luke 4, 16 to 21, and it says this. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Through his ministry, Jesus came to bring salvation. He came to bring deliverance. He came to save us from sin and death. I think this is why David paraphrases Psalm, uh, this is why Jesus paraphrases Psalm 31 verse 5, for he is the ultimate answer to David's passionate plea. Jesus is the one who rescues us from our enemies and he does this on the cross. At youth group on a Friday night, we are working through the book of Colossians and Paul tells us what Christ has done for us, how he has delivered us from our enemies, that he has transferred us from the dominion of darkness, that he has delivered us from the kingdom of Satan and transferred us into his kingdom. We have also been circumcised with him, baptized with him, that we have been delivered from the temptations of the flesh. He has disarmed the powers and authorities, nailing them to the cross. He has delivered us from the powers of this world. Uh, Through our union with Christ, we have been delivered. Uh, We are being delivered and we have the promise of deliverance. That on the cross, Jesus has defeated sin and death. As he says these words, Father into your hands, I commit my spirit. He says this with the foreknowledge that he will rise again in three days that in three days in the resurrection death is defeated and not just Jesus death but also death for us Jesus didn't die for his resurrection he died for our resurrection he died so that we would have deliverance he died so that we would have life and if, if death has been defeated then the Christian has been delivered from the fear of death. I think over the last two years as a society, as a nation, as a world the idea of death and dying has been at the forefront of many of our thinking. But the thought of dying has always been there. I want, it's been one of the greatest fears of humanity. As a teenager and even to my early twenties I enjoyed Disney's Uh, movies of Pirates of the Caribbean and in the second movie in one of the scenes uh, Davy Jones he confronts those who are about to die and he comes to them with a second chance he comes to them with an escape and he says before them do you fear death do you fear that dark abyss all your deeds laid bare all your sins punished and you can see on their faces you can see their fear they are afraid of dying they are looking for escape. Uh, The fear of death can be paralyzing Uh, the fear of death as you take that final breath wondering what will happen to me when I die that dark abyss the judgment of all my sins being laid bare are uh, The fires of hell, the uncontrollable tears as pain grips you and never ends. Uh, it's terrifying. Uh, perhaps you're here today, and when you think about death, this is what you fear. You are paralyzed by the, by the thought of looming judgment. Uh, if this is you, uh, we are so glad that you are here today. Because what Christ has done for the Christian is that they have been delivered from the power of death. And that through the message of the resurrection have the promise of life after death. When the Christian dies, they go to be with the Lord Jesus. Judgment doesn't await them, but paradise does. I heard a story recently of the passing of a godly woman at Melville Mitchell. Many of us here may know her. I imagine uh, it was in Melba's passing moments, and it happened quite suddenly. Uh, But to those who were with her, they saw that there was no fear in her looming death. As she said to those around her, perhaps tonight will be the night. And she died early the next morning. For those who knew Melba since the death of her husband, she had in many ways looked forward to it. There was no fear in death, for she knew what would await her. A greeting from her Savior and hearing those words, Well done, good and faithful servant. Come, join in your Master's happiness. And as we look to our Savior here in our passage, there is no fear. There is no fear in His death. Despite hanging on a Roman cross, there was no fear in our Lord Jesus, but throughout his whole ordeal, he gives seven measured statements. And here, quoting the Psalm of Deliverance, Jesus shows that his sole concern is in the midst of suffering is not himself, but it's humanity, humanity's salvation. Despite the darkness that loomed over the face of the earth. Despite the chaos that was around him. Despite the pains and suffering he himself was going through. Jesus is concerned for you. He is concerned for me. He went to that cross for us. He went to that cross to bring deliverance. Jesus, despite his ordeal, despite being short of breath, He summons all his strength and he yells out, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. There is no fear in his voice, only calmness. A calmness knowing that his spirit is entering the care of the Father. A calmness knowing that his suffering will end and that in three days he will rise again and defeat the power of sin and darkness. How can we then fear? How can we then fear Christian? Christ has defeated the power of sin and death. He is the one who conquered the grave. As we die, no judgment awaits us but being, but a promise of being with our Lord in paradise. As I think of what Jesus has done for us in delivering us and also casting out our fears, I can't help but think of those words from in Christ alone no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry till final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. And to the comforting hands of the Father is where Christ goes. It is where we will go. We will enter the Father's care as we wait to enter into that final rest. However, being in the Father's embrace isn't just a promise for the future. It's also a present reality. A being in the embrace of the Father is something that Jesus has done for us now. Entering the Father's rest is something we do now. It's also something that awaits us, but it's something that happens now. Hebrews 4 speaks of entering that rest. Again, if you have your Bibles open in front of you, please turn to Hebrews 4, which speaks of a rest that can be found in Jesus, our great high priest, who gives us rest now, but also rest at the resurrection. Have a look with me at Hebrews 4, verse 9 to 14. If you don't have a Bible, just please listen. Hebrews 4, 9 to 14. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from His. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. So Jesus has ascended to the father. He has defeated death. If we are in Jesus, we are no longer wondering what awaits us when we die. Fearing a judgment, having all our sins laid bare before our eyes. Having to give an account. No. The Christian. We have confidence that when we die we will enter into that rest that Christ has attained for us. He is our great high priest who has defeated sin and death. The power of darkness for us. Friends, we have to notice that during this scene here in our passage in Luke's gospel. The curtain has torn in two. The curtain has torn in two. And rest and access to the Father has been made possible through the work of Christ. As Jesus is on that cross, he cries out, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It is a cry of deliverance from the pain of death. It is a cry of deliverance that death does not have the final word. But entering into the Father's care, awaiting the resurrection, the final word that Jesus said is one of deliverance. The final word from Jesus, from Luke's gospel, is a cry that deliverance of God's people has been accomplished. Death has been defeated. The darkness has been defeated. Now normally when the main protagonist dies, the scene gets a whole lot darker. It's like that solitary candle that was lighting the room gets snuffed out and darkness takes over. But that's not what happens here. Jesus breathes his last, and the light comes back on. The sun shines once more. For in and through Christ's work, the power of darkness has been defeated. And as the light comes back on, we see that the atmosphere around Christ changes. It changes from mocking to three very different responses. Have a look with me at verses 47 to 49. Luke 23, verse 47 to 49. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. As we see from these verses, the death of Jesus changes the atmosphere around him. From a city shrouded in darkness to the lights coming back on and then from mocking to three very different responses. No one leaves untouched by what has just happened. As we turn our attention to the centurion, a gentile, he comes to the great realization that this Jesus was a righteous, innocent man and he gives glory, he gives praise to God. It's interesting in the Gospel of Luke, but also in the book of Acts, that it's the good news that is being now given to the Gentiles. And it's a recurring theme. And as Jesus breathes his last, this soldier's response changes from mocking to praise. And if we look in the, in the book of Acts, we see that the gospel is going out, and it goes out to the Gentiles. It has gone out to us. It goes out to them and they believe saving faith comes to them. And so one response to the work of Jesus is drawing near. Drawing near to him, giving him praise, giving him glory. And we ask ourselves today, will this be our response? Will this be our response to the saving work of Christ? When we sing our final song, Will we draw near to our Lord with hearts filled with thankfulness, with our hearts filled with praise? Will we give praise and thankfulness to God for this wonderful gift of deliverance that we have been given in and through our Lord Jesus? Or will we give another response? Look with me at the crowd in this scene. We're told that the crowd who had come. They drew near to see what had happened and their response went from mocking to lament. Look what it says. They beat their breasts and went away. As the light comes back on, they perceive that there is no more to the story. In other words, perhaps these religious leaders turn away in anguish with no hope. It's almost as if Luke is saying this gospel story was rejected by the Jews. And that's another response to our Lord's death. A response not of praise, but of rejection of seeing what Christ did for a sinful humanity in offering deliverance but this message just falls on deaf ears it's like water running off a duck's back nothing happens they just leave disappointed they reject the message of salvation is that any of us here today Have any of us rejected this great and wonderful message? And then there is the third response of those who stood away at a distance, stood away perhaps out of fear, too afraid to draw near because they did not feel safe being close to the Lord Jesus, uncertain of whether to follow or whether to stay and leave or stay behind or just leave. Perhaps that some of us here today, you are here today at church and you are unsure whether to respond to Jesus, Jesus act of deliverance with praise or rejection. So you remain undecided. You prefer to stand at a distance. Those who stood at a distance almost give that impression of valuing their own life more than following him, more than following Jesus. But what does Jesus say to the one who values their life more than him? Oh, Luke tells us from Luke 9, 23 and 26. Just listen along. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. On the cross, as Jesus speaks, these seven statements. these These aren't words to comfort him, but they are measured words given over the last six hours of his death. Words for us to hear, words for us to notice. Are These words are measured words to make us change in how we see Jesus. Not someone to be mocked, but to be seen as the one who came to die for our deliverance. So we ask ourselves, will we trust in His work? Will we trust in His work of deliverance? Jesus said these words, Father, I commit, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit that we might believe in him, that we might trust in him, that we might trust in him, that he came to give us deliverance from the power of darkness. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we marvel at what Jesus had done for us on that cross. And yet we fully don't comprehend just the magnitude of what Jesus had done in coming to earth and going to that cross for us. Father, we thank you for these statements that we, are going to be look, that we have looked at, that we've looked at today, but also we'll be looking at over the next few weeks. Father, we pray, Lord, that you would deepen our understanding of what it means um, to have this great hope and what it means to have been delivered from the power of sin and darkness. Our Father, we pray, help us and give us greater understanding by your Spirit. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, musicians.